0: Welcome to the Faith Crisis Coach Podcast. This show is my love letter to all of the people going through a faith crisis and transition that feel alone and like your world is falling apart. I've been there. As an all-in eighth-generation Latter-day Saint, a faith crisis was the last thing I expected or wanted. But now, my life, my mental health, my relationships, my self-image All of that is so much better because of how I leveraged my faith crisis. I'm your host Josie Johnson, certified trauma-informed life coach and happy faith crisis graduate. If you want to grow through this experience, not just go through it, listen in. Hello my faith crisis friends. Today we are talking about spiritual development. So this episode as well as the next two are what I'm calling the foundations. They are spiritual development, grief, and self-image. So there are three major concepts that I think are extremely important to understand as they relate to faith crisis, the experience of faith crisis. So they're all going to be released together at the same time. Of course, listen to them at your own pace. You do you. And this episode is specifically going to be talking about spiritual development. So I want to get this out of the way right now just the stereotypes of faith crisis. You are not lazy, you are not weak, you're not deceived or easily offended. Um, Those are all just stereotypes and lies about what happens when you go through a faith crisis and transition. Oftentimes in high demand religions, people who leave are shunned (laughs) and they are treated and talked about in a way that is just not true. It's not that you haven't studied enough or that you're too emotional. It's that it's not that you're too sensitive or that you've never had a testimony or need to develop one. It's not that you're being tricked or that you're taking things too personally. You're smart. You're smart and caring and developmentally healthy. This faith crisis, this transition is a normal stage in development, especially when you're going through this in regards to a high demand religion like Mormonism. So nothing has gone wrong. This is totally normal. Um, In fact, it's healthy. So Terrell Givens, a former senior research fellow at Neil A. Maxwell Institute of Religious Studies at BYU said, not since Kirtland have we seen such an exodus of the church's best and brightest leaders. So that is how I think about you you listening right now, <laughs> the person going through the faith crisis, the f- person who's transitioning, whatever that means to you in your world, I see you as one of the best, as one of the brightest leaders. Again, you're smart, you're caring, you're putting everything together. As far as like the data on faith crisis, we don't have a lot of data because of its sensitive nature, but you can check out the LDS Personal Faith Crisis Report. And Jana Reese's book, The Next Mormons, for some. All in all, qualitatively, we have seen many people leaving and nuancing for a variety of reasons. They are often categorized into social or intellectual concerns. Um, and to me, the most under talked about reason is simply human development. So this episode, we're gonna we're going to, and you may have already noticed in the way that I'm talking, it's gonna be kind of like a 101 college crash course. (laughs) Um, Maybe not as detailed as a college course, but we're going to just give you quite a bit of information in these three foundational episodes because there's just a lot of information that isn't being provided to people. We tend to just shove faith crises under the rug um, and people are expected to go through this life stage kind of with their eyes covered (laughs) and just in a very shameful way. And I just want to take that off and acknowledge this is normal. This is a very normal, healthy part of development. And I'm going to explain what's going on. The first thing I'm going to talk about is why the influx of faith crises makes sense in regards to how the brain works. So a very, very oversimplified (laughs) version of how the brain works is that there's two parts. There's the prefrontal cortex Which has evolved over time and it's used for intentional thinking, right? It's the rational, intentional, higher brain. And then there's the survival brain, um, which is the limbic system, primarily the amygdala, is wired for survival, essentially, and it's used for automatic default thinking. So the survival brain is motivated to avoid pain, to seek pleasure, and to conserve energy. So that's called the motivational triad. And that limbic system, that part of our brain is the part that keeps us alive. We love that part of our brain. It's so important to have that automatic part of our brain. And as humans, we've evolved to have something as well called the prefrontal cortex. And that's why we are able to be as evolved as we are. And then if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs... Right, So it's got those five stages of physiological needs, which are like air, water, food, shelter, safety, which is personal security, employment, resources, health, property, love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection, esteem, self-image, recognition, strength, freedom, respect, and then self-actualization, so the desire to become the most that one can be we've pretty much met our physiological needs and our safety needs and the brain is kind of bored <laughs> the brain needs something to do and once we've met the needs of like love and belonging and esteem our brain is now like trying to actualize faith crises also makes sense because of the information age because of the internet information available to some is now available to all. The top two examples I want to give are number one, history, right? Our human history and specifically like church history, information that has only been available to some people is now available to everyone. And so there's no hiding anymore. And then the other piece is like, Social empathy. So, because of social media, we have a collective ability to share ideas between everyday people. And so we can understand experiences, human experiences from different people all around the world and just different people who experience different identities, right? Whether that's race, sexuality, um, income level, gender, etc. Because of social media and because of the information age, we have more empathy available to us. We can understand other people that are not in our direct contact. We can access like, understanding and the human experience to people that we didn't have any way of reaching before. So now because of just all of that information being available, it makes sense that we would be ex- experiencing a heightened level of faith crises. So, that is like how it makes sense to me with how the brain works and how the brain needs something to do now, and with the information age and how now that information is just more available, it would make sense that we would interpret the world and interpret what we've learned in church and religion differently. And the increase in faith crises makes sense developmentally. So, I'm going to illustrate this with a couple different frameworks. First, I'm going to start with Fowler's Stages. Um, So James William Fowler III was an American theologian who was a professor of theology and human development at Emory University. He was the director of both the Center for Research uh, on Faith and Moral Development and the Center for Ethics um, at Emory until he retired in 2005. And he was a minister at the United Methodist Church. And I want to highlight that like He was a minister in the Methodist church, so it's not just an LDS thing, a Mormon thing. This is a religion thing, and it's just across the board happening. Fowler Stages of, of Faith, um, there are six stages. I'm going to give you the titles of them, and then I'm going to go into a little more, bit more depth. And again, the reason that we're going into this kind of like a college course is because I want everyone to be on the same page <laughs> as far as just different frameworks that exist that are out there to explain a faith crisis because if the only framework you've been introduced to is that you're wrong, you've been misled, you are um lazy, you're a lazy learner, you're weak, you're deceived, you're easily offended, you never really had a testimony like that is one way to explain a faith crisis. <laughs> but there are other ways to explain what is going on. And so that's why I want to illustrate multiple ways to understand this. So the six stages of Fowler's stages of faith are number one, intuitive projective, number two, mythic, literal, number three, synthetic conventional, four, individuative, reflective, five conjunctive faith, and six universalizing faith. So the first one, intuitive projective, is the stage where my daughter is right now. She's in preschool, and often when kids are at this age, they get fantasy and reality mixed together. During this stage, our most basic ideas of God are usually picked up by us from our parents or society. Um, mythic literal is the second stage and that's when children become school age and they start understanding the world in more logical ways. So they generally accept stories told to them by their faith community and understand them in very literal ways, right? This would be like thinking that Noah actually built a boat and put two of every animal on it and the world flooded and that story literally happened, right? So at that stage of development, that's when you believe that sort of thing. And a few people remain here through adulthood. And I want to know, I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to say that people are better at different stages or not. It just is. There there just are different levels and different stages, right? It's not better than. It's not like people who stay in mythic literal are worse off or doing something wrong. They're not. It's just How it is. It's just like when we would look at a child and say, if they're learning speech and like reading, we wouldn't say that a child who knows their letters is less than a child that can read sight words. Like we wouldn't compare it in that way. They're just at a different stage. It's neutral. They're just at a different stage. And that's how it is spiritually. People aren't better if they're at a like, quote unquote, higher numbered stage. It's just a different, it's just different. It's a different stage. So that was the second stage. The third stage is synthetic conventional. Most people move to this stage as teenagers. And at this point, their life has grown to include several social circles. So there's a need to pull it all together. Okay. So as this happens, the personal usually adopts some kind of all encompassing belief system. And what's interesting about the third stage is that people tend to have a hard time seeing outside of their box at this stage and don't recognize that they're in a belief system and most people stop here most people stay at this stage for their entire lives and at this stage we tend to just think like this is the end point this is we've we have it all together something interesting as well about the third stage is that authority is typically placed on individuals or groups that represent their beliefs. So there isn't really a self-constructed belief system on purpose, typically, like we think that we've created it on our own, but we've gleaned it from multiple sources. And we think that it is the one, it's the belief system that makes the most sense. (laughs) The fourth stage is individuative reflective, and this is the stage where faith crises happen. This is a stage when people start seeing outside of their box and realize that there are other boxes. People begin to critically examine their beliefs on their own and often become disenchanted with their former faith. Um, Ironically, stage three people typically think that stage four people are backsliding, when in actuality stage four people are moving forward. So fascinating, right? And it makes so much sense with how we typically talk about faith crisis because the people who are typically explaining a faith crisis are in the third stage. That's why we have this jargon around how a faith crisis is a problem when really it feels hard and it makes sense that it feels difficult. It should. You're entire understanding of reality is at odds, but it doesn't mean you're backsliding. You're actually moving forward. The same way that we would not say that a caterpillar turning into a chrysalis, like going into their chrysalis, we wouldn't say that they're backsliding. And that's the same going from the third stage to the fourth stage. The fourth stage is the chrysalis. Stage five is conjunctive faith. And at this point, most people begin to realize that there are limits of logic. And that is where we accept paradoxes in life. We begin to see life as a mystery. And we can often return to sacred symbols and stories, but at this time without being stuck in their theological box. Um, it's rare to reach this stage before midlife. And to me, this is where I consider like, people to be like a faith crisis graduate. This is once you're like in the butterfly stage (laughs) because you've made it through the just hard gritty part of like what even is real and becoming disenchanted with the original belief system. And you're able to play in the gray. You're able to accept paradox and the word and, and both and allow for like middle ground rather than all or nothing thinking either way. Okay. And the sixth stage, which few people reach is those who live their lives in the full service of others without any real worries or doubts. And this is, you know, the goal, right? So once we've been able to play in the gray and we can allow for that, then it's just like the piece of like life isn't happy all of the time and that's fine. Like it's the acceptance of the just variety of emotions and the pain of life and acceptance of that for ourselves. And then the ability to lean into service, full service for other people. So cool. So isn't that just so such a, beautiful way to, in- to explain a faith crisis. I just think that is so much more useful <laughs> than saying that it's because people are backsliding. So that's Fowler stages, six stages of faith. Now I'm going to move to another framework to explain a faith crisis. It's very similar. Um, I'm going to start with two quotes by Carl Jung. I think his last name is, I may be saying that wrong. Carl Jung is brilliant, (laughs) Um, and I love these two quotes. They're so good. So the first quote is, One cannot live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. For what was great in the morning will be of little importance in the evening, and what in the morning was true will at evening become a lie. Ah, that's so good. Isn't that so good? (laughs) I just love that quote because even just that last bit, right? What in the morning was true will let evening become a lie. It just perfectly illustrates faith crisis. Like if you're going from being orthodox all in to seeing, it's like your eyes are wide open and you see it totally differently because when you're in it, it seems so true. But when you're out, it seems like a total lie. Anyway, so amazing. He also said the first half of life is devoted to developing a healthy ego and the second half of life is going inward and letting go of it. Mm, I love that. So Richard Rohr, an American Franciscan priest, expanded on the idea of the first and second halves of life that Carl Jung originated. So Richard Rohr is a very famous writer um, PBS called him one of the most popular spiritual authors and speakers in the world. Um, he's written who knows how many books, um, one of his most popular, if not the most popular is called falling upward, such a good book, highly recommend it. Oprah's talked to him about it, all the things. So he plays on the idea of first and second half of life, um, and goes into that further in the book. I'm not an expert on his work. Um, he has a whole um, like foundation and business all about it. So you can um, look up the Center for, I think it's called the Center for Action and Contemplation. Um, I can add that in the show notes just to be sure. But Um, In the book, Falling Upward, he introduces the idea of order, disorder, reorder. That's order, disorder, reorder. And that is like the caterpillar, chrysalis, butterfly right? that we're talking about. Again, this is just another way to explain spiritual development and to explain how that disorder stage is not wrong. Faith crisis is not A bad thing, it is actually healthy. It just it it is, it's just part of the progression, just like a chrysalis. Caterpillars have to go into the chrysalis to become a butterfly. That's just how it is. Everything has to be chemically changed. In the book, Richard Rohr also discusses the hero's journey, and I'll include a illustration of the hero's journey in the show notes. But again, it's a similar concept, like the hero. Departs, and then there's this like journey and this adventure and this initiation, and then there's a rebirth. Um, and I think, and there's so many good movies and kind of hero journey, uh, books and illustrations of this process, this just very human process <laughs> of like going on this journey, having this initiation, changing, and having this rebirth. The irony is we even have this in like the Book of Mormon and the Bible <laughs> these illustrations of people that completely change right like it's literally in the religious DNA in Christianity DNA <laughs> to acknowledge that things must change right i think about Alma the younger in the Book of Mormon and how he was like this punk kid and then he was like knocked out for 3 days by an angel and then he became this different person like it's literally in the book of mormon it's in um it's in the bible right we can even think about jesus and like him going into the tomb and coming out and being reborn and being resurrected like This, like, hero's journey, this idea of, like, starting somewhere, going into this place of change and coming out reborn is just – it's just a part of the human DNA. It's just a way we explain things, and it is true to you, too, right? Like, when you're in the faith crisis, you are in the chrysalis. You are in that place before your rebirth. Um, So other fun Examples, some movies to watch that illustrate Faith Crisis are Tangled, Lion King, The Truman Show, pretty much every Marvel movie. Um, I liked in Thor Love and Thunder how um, the God Slayer, if I'm saying that wrong, I sure hope I'm not saying that wrong. I'm pretty sure it's a God Slayer. literally looking it up right now. Um, No, that's wrong. What is it? Oh, God Butcher. That's what it is. I loved how in Thor, Love and Thunder, there's literally like a God Butcher. <laughs> um, that's a fascinating Faith Crisis movie. That's not a great illustration of the hero's journey necessarily, um, maybe from like Thor's point of view. Anyway, fascinating. So, Yeah. The hero's journey, Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward, the idea of first and and second half of life. So good. Um, A couple other ideas that were mentioned in the book are how we construct our boxes and then we discover that we've constructed a box and then we see how everyone else has their own box to frame life, right? We need a belief system. (laughs) We need to be able to have a belief system to function. And especially as little kids, And as young, just young humans, having a belief system to frame, like, why am I here? Where am I going? Like, where did I come from? All of that, it's useful just to be able to walk through life. But there comes a point where we discover everyone else has answers to those questions themselves. And they are all different. And it doesn't mean that we're right and they're wrong. Um, And then there's also the idea of discharging your loyal soldier. So in Mormon land, to me, that means like going from exact obedience and righteousness to spiritual maturity and humility and letting go of that all or nothing rigidity and moving to playing in the gray, like making personal mature decisions, allowing for breaking of rules essentially right you learn the rules and then you break them so in summary with this episode i just want to give you i just wanted you to have another way to frame your faith crisis um i believe that faith crises are developmentally healthy and such a gift when they happen it's the perfect time for intentional transformation because we're starting fresh we have this proverbial clean slate right? And in coaching and in further episodes, I'm going to get into more of like brain conditioning and how like, it's not this like perfect clean state because it's not like your brain has been wiped and we're starting totally fresh. Like you still have thoughts and beliefs from your past that you probably aren't even aware of that we can deconstruct. Um, But it is this awakening and this opportunity to look at those belief systems and to choose on purpose, like, what do I want to keep? What do I not? Um, And I think that even though being a part of a high demand religion can be really traumatizing and difficult. Interestingly, the amount of freedom because of the level of questioning and because of the level of the extremity means that this faith crisis can give you even more freedom and opportunity than maybe if you didn't experience religion in a high-demand orthodox way. And those of you who are listening to this who may not identify with that um, kind of degree of religiosity or participation – um, I'm just explaining it in that way because that was my experience and that has been some of my clients' experiences, but a faith crisis and a transition, um, it does not have to be that extreme. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> Jana, uh, Spangler told me that there, oh, I'm gonna, um, I'm going to ruin this quote, but she said there are as many, Types of faith crises and transitions as there are people. And I loved that because it's such a unique personal experience. And so, yes, I will give ways to explain it, but if it doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. There's not just one way to do this. So, what I hope that you'll take from this episode, though, is just the idea that faith crisis can be explained multiple ways. And you could think about your faith crisis and transition as being a spiritual development stage and that it's healthy and normal and natural. And you could make it mean that you're very smart and very caring. I hope you'll consider how your faith crisis could be the best thing that ever happened to you. I hope that you'll lean into the freedom of it. And we will talk next time in the next episode about grief, right? There's, We've talked about the spiritual development and how, There's different ways to explain a faith crisis. And I believe that it's spiritually and just developmentally healthy to go through a faith crisis and transition. And we're going to talk also about the grief processing, so the letting go, and then the opening up with self-image and identity. So I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. I'd love to stay in touch over on Instagram. So follow me at Coach Josie Johnson and shoot me a DM when you do. It's not weird. I promise. I'd love to hear if there's a topic you want a podcast episode on. That way I can make sure I'm helping you with whatever is top of mind right now. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe on whatever app you're using so that the podcast is easy to find in the future. Okay, bye for now.